0: W-P-H-A-T. You're listening to the number one health and wellness podcast. The place where health and consciousness connect. Perfectly, Perfectly healthy, healthy, healthy and tone tone radio, radio. With your host, Darren McDuffie. And now, prepare to get fat. What's cracking, peeps? Darren McDuffie here, alias Fat Man, because I help you become perfectly healthy and toned and conscious, of course. Today's episode is episode 163 with Ron Garrett, entitled Being Black on Keto. Before I get into that episode and talking a little bit more about it, I just wanted to give you a reminder of episode 162 I previously did with Nadine Artemis on holistic dental care, having healthy teeth and gum can't say enough about that episode i learned a lot on that about my toothbrush about things that i should be using to brush my teeth and as a result of that i've changed my dental practices so go back and listen to that episode a lot of tips in there about having healthy teeth and gums and also tips on there about if you have some children and you're having a time with them getting them to brush your teeth so we give a lot of tips on that as well in this pod in that podcast 162 today's episode is 163 being black on keto with ron garrett had a lot of fun doing this and actually i've been saving this episode i had it done a while ago But being that it's a new year, January 1st, 2019, I wanted to kick this show off a little bit different than I have in the past. This is an issue that I've been wanting to discuss for a long time. And for those of you out there who may not be African-American, I don't want this to alienate you, so to speak, because I'm under the impression or always under the belief that I can learn something from everyone and not just because they might be African-American, not just because they're Caucasian, not just because they might be Asian or whatever ethnicity they are. I've always looked at people being people. And I always looked at people's souls instead of really looking at who they are when it comes to color or, or race, so to speak. So today's episode, again, is one of those episodes where I wanted to kind of get someone to discuss The issues that are revolving in the African-American and Hispanic communities is simply because when you look at disparities in healthcare, we are among the most who are suffering from diabetes, suffering from cancer, suffering from all of these diseases, and not much is being done about it. We'll discuss on this podcast why we're behind a lot of the diet trends, why we're behind paleo and keto, why we're really not catching on to these diets that are out there to actually help us to reduce our weight, to get some stress off of us, to reduce the blood pressure, high blood pressure. So again, this has been one of those podcasts I've been really wanting to do, but just didn't have the right person to do it with. And I think Ron is a very good person to do this podcast with, because you'll notice that he's very open and he talks very frankly about what's going on in our community and how he's kind of paying it forward to help those who are in need, especially within the inner city youth and within the African-American community by taking the principles of keto and helping those people to reduce those health markers and get a lot more healthy. So again, don't let this alienate you. The podcast is for everyone and you can learn something. Whatever community you're coming from, whatever ethnicity you're coming from, you can learn something from this podcast. So let's get into Ron's bio. Ron Garrett began bodybuilding at an early age. While bodybuilding, he followed the standard American diet. As Ron got older, he found it was progressively harder to cut weight like he used to in the past. He was later diagnosed as being pre-diabetic and along with his diagnosis, came debilitating joint pain. Ron went on to discover the ketogenic diet and has improved his health markers and is no longer a diabetic. He now tells others about the benefits of the keto diet and uses it to reach inner city youth and the African American community. Coming up on episode number 163, Being Black on Keto with Ron Garrett. Here's what you're going to learn. Why is the African-American community so far behind diet trends like paleo and keto? Ron and I go over this and we discuss this at length. Why do we love certain foods? Should the church play a role in nutritional education? This is something I've been wanting to discuss for a long time because I know as a kid, I grew up in the church. I always went to church with my grandmother. And one thing I never saw throughout that time is the church actually playing a role in educating individuals when it comes to their diet. And in the religious text is always the body is a temple. So why is the church doing really not doing a lot to educate individuals especially african-americans who are really involved in church and going to church and doing church type activities Why isn't the church doing more to educate people when it comes to diet? What does the body naturally crave? What is the outcome of the keto diet? How can you be more intuitive about your body? Ron discusses what he did to be a little bit more intuitive about his body. And this is something I learned a long time ago to really pay attention to our bodies and pay attention to what our body is trying to tell us. Now, without further ado,
1: let's get into the podcast.
0: Ron Garrett, welcome to Perfectly Healthy Tone Radio. How are you, man?
1: I'm great, man. How are you?
0: I'm good, man. I'm good. I've been waiting for you to get on the podcast just to be able to speak with you. Myself, I'm African American, you're African American, and just some of the things that I've been hearing from you from other podcasts, because what I normally do is listen to other podcasts just to kind of get a feel for my guests. I've checked out a lot of your, your website. I have some things to ask you about that. And but it's just an honor to have you on the show to be able to talk about the topic that we're going to talk about tonight. So good to have you,
1: man. It's my pleasure, man. It, it, it really is. I'm always honored when people want to uh, have me on anything, you know, because I, I don't I don't do this for a living or anything. I just just do my best to try to do do things to try to help people, you yeah. know. And or, uh, and, and uh, I don't do it I don't do it and and not understand that it's a uh, that is an honor so i appreciate it
0: man. yeah yes so my obligatory question for every guest that comes on is how did they get into health and you you came in health through kind of a roundabout way so kind of take us through your journey of how you got to where you are today
1: well uh initially it started out um how i got into it was I, i was in korea in the army and when i went when i was in the army i um I was walking down the street one day and this cat pulled me aside and said, Hey man, uh, you ever thought about bodybuilding? And, uh 'cause you know, I'm young, I'm trying to catch girls. So I'm walking with my shirt <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. you know? And he said, did you ever thought about doing uh bodybuilding? And I'm like, no nah, man. I said, uh, I don't, I really don't even lift weights that much, you know, uh, except for every once in a while. So it started. So the next day I went to the gym and just fell in love with weightlifting, man, fell in love with, uh, with bodybuilding and, and uh seemed to be a natural at it so I started doing that and just over the years, you know, uh just bodybuild. I didn't really compete. Uh I just did it because I liked doing it, you know. Uh we did a couple of amateur things and things like that. So then uh later on down the road I just started putting on weight and I just couldn't cut weight anymore. Mm-hmm. And and uh I can look back now and see that it was it was all I was already having insulin resistance. But at that time, I didn't know, you know, I just kept eating the way bodybuilders eat. I would eat, you know, four, five, six thousand calories a day because most of the time I could cut it off real quick. So, um, fast forward till like when I was about 36, that's when I started having the complications from diabetes. Come at that time, I still hadn't been, I, I wasn't diagnosed until I was 50, fully. but mm-hmm. I started having issues. Um, And then just started putting weight on. Every year I would put a little bit more weight on and I I just couldn't seem to lose weight. And then uh about four years ago, five years now, I got was diagnosed pre diabetic with VA and they kept telling me to do this, do that, eat this and eat that in the standard American diet. Uh standard they have a standard protocol for diabetics. And I never got better. Matter of fact, I kept putting on weight. And uh but I was still able to power lift. Thank God, I was still able to power lift. But I kept getting sicker and sicker, and then finally, about a year and a half ago, I just got to where I couldn't get out of bed, and and I was barely making it. I wasn't working at the time because I had early retirement. So uh, thank God at that time I didn't have to try to get up to go to work every day. And my and then at the same time we were dealing with my wife's cancer diagnosis. So it was a blessing that I was able to sit home and take care of her, but. I was in the bed just about as much as she was. Mm-hmm. So then I was fully diagnosed with diabetes, like I said, about a year, a little over a year ago. And that's when I decided to look into keto. And I had heard about keto um, years before because bodybuilders naturally, almost intermittently do keto at various times in their show prep and cut prep. Um, so I was familiar with the process, but I had never done anything like that long term. So I started doing that, and of course, I'm the type of person, most people think bodybuilders are lunkheads and and all that, but to be honest with you, some of the smartest people I know are bodybuilders, because they have to meticulously meticulously track their macros, they're into this macro stuff and all these other things, long before other people are. And so I just started uh, listening to a couple of podcasts, you know, and... And then from two two keto dudes was the first one that I really listened to. Mm-hmm. And actually, let me take it back a little bit. A friend of mine, a pastor, he pastor, one of my friends, he actually had mentioned it to my wife and said, maybe Ron, should, when he found out I di- diagnosed with diabetes, then he said, man, uh, maybe you should think about keto because he would instrumentally do keto, but he would do it for health reasons. He didn't do it for to lose weight. He's not a big guy. But he was doing it to mitigate some health symptoms that he had, And so that's how I started uh, listening. I started listening to two keto dudes. And, of course, as you probably are aware, once you go down that rabbit hole and you find something at work, <laughs> yeah. you start, you start yeah. doing investigations. And I'm a, I'm sort of a nerd. Even though I'm from the hood, and I'm still sort of a nerd when it comes to right. scientific things. And so I just started listening to the podcast all day. And I would listen to two keto dudes. That, of course, took me to Keto evangelist. That took me to finding out and listening to lectures by doctors Finney and Bollick and, and uh, uh, Gary Fecky, Ira Cummins, Nina Tisho's. Started learning things about the food industry. And so that's sort of how I, I went down all these rabbit holes, and I'm still down these rabbit holes. I haven't come up for air. And and so that's sort of my journey in a nutshell. That's the, the health part of my journey. The other part of my journey... It's the spiritual side and that that's a whole different story
0: yeah so let's go back because i, I want to get an idea of your stature when you were actually into bodybuilding and then where you came because i saw a picture of you as i was doing research for the show i saw a picture of you sitting in a chair and you look like you were well overweight but what 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 did you start at because it looks like you carry around you're kind of a big guy up top
1: but yeah, I, I'm a big guy. Uh, I'm still a pretty good sized guy. I've lost 70 pounds, but I'm still 270. Everyone thinks I'm around 230, you know, because I've always been a big guy. I'm pretty thick now, muscular. Mm-hmm. But, and I haven't been able to lift weights for almost a year because of some other health issues. But I still carry around a lot of muscle mass. And uh, so I've always been blessed physically like that. And even on that picture, if I had stood up, you wouldn't have thought I was that big. You could only look at my face. And because my chest and everything sticks out more when I stand up. Right. And so, so on that picture right there, I wasn't even at my heaviest on that picture. The one that you saw sitting on that couch, I was probably only around 310 or so. So I had another 30 or 40, 40 pounds to put on. But at that time in that picture, you wouldn't have guessed that I could bench press over 500 pounds in that picture. (laughs) You know, so. (laughs) So, and, and, uh, so I walk around at my healthiest. I've walked around around 230 to 240, which is a, my goal weight, weight is about 240. Uh, 230 would be stretching it because I have so much muscle mass from when I was mm-hmm. bodybuilding. I mean, and even now I still have a, you know, right at 20 inch arms and I'm still losing, losing weight, you know, so. so. What, what what's your height? If you don't mind me, asking? I'm 5'11. Five eleven. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so you yeah, pretty, you're pretty much I'm a pretty big pretty thick
0: guy. Yeah, I'm exact opposite of you. I'm long and tall and skinny. I played basketball. I'm six seven and I'm very lanky. That's the oh, way I I've wish always I was. Been. That
1: That's funny because I I come right in between my mother and my, my dad. My dad's six six. My mom's wow. five two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, sure. I, I you come got, like right. You got the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got the middle of it. I was I I always, I used to try to stretch when they would measure me in the Army. Every year I would want to be measured because I knew I was going to hit six feet eventually, and I never did. So Um, whatever, what I made, what I didn't make up in height, I made up in width. Yeah. (laughs) So
0: let's, let's go back to just discovering keto.
1: How did you discover keto? Yeah, my, uh, my buddy, like I said, my buddy Scott, uh, he had told my wife, maybe Ron, because, Here's the thing. My wife is the most beautiful person in the world, but, and she knows how to manipulate me, thank God, because <laughs> somebody, else, somebody else had mentioned Keto, some other people had mentioned it, but if I don't respect you, or if I don't know you, I don't listen to you. You've got to have, have contributed something to my life, and that's just that hood mentality growing up. Right. We don't trust people. And so I've really got to trust you and respect you before I listen to you. Or you've got to show me that you know what you're talking about before I listen to you. But pa- Pastor Scott, his dad is like my father. I consider myself like his brother. And he's the one that brought me into youth leadership. I'm in inner city ministry because of him. I'm in because of how he's mentored me, even though he's a lot younger than I am. So she knew that if he said anything about keto, I would at least investigate it. So she came home and she just mentioned it casually. I look back on it. She's real slick with what she did. But that's how I got into it. You know, and I started listening to two keto dudes. And I'll tell you, man, I I almost got tears in my eyes thinking about it. And every time I talk about it, because I remember the day that I started keto, I was sitting here. I had been on the couch basically for about, and now this is coming from a person that had been so active his whole life. I was sitting on the couch. I was probably a little over 350 at the time. So when I say I lost 70 pounds, it could have actually been more because I stopped counting at 337. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I didn't weigh myself anymore after that. And I know I had another six months where I was putting on weight, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting on this couch, man, and, and I just said, uh, I'm going to get up and try to walk. I hadn't been able to walk, really walk more than four, five, six minutes. I put my earphones in turned on two keto dudes. I had been listening to them in the house uh, that day. And I got up and just started walking, started keto that day. And then the next two weeks I dropped like 14 pounds. And then that was it. I just started investigating and started learning. And that's how I started keto. And ever since then, man, I've just been doing keto. I have brought a lot of other people into keto. I even help people overseas. They, they see my stuff and they, they just message me and talk to me. And then, and, and, you know, and it's not that I'm that great of a guy like that. It's just that, hey, man, if you ask me for help, I'm going to
0: ask you for help. Right, right. You're <laughs> going to give that help. Yeah. When you when your wife brought you keto or you heard about it, did you immediately take to it? Because one thing I think about and I don't want to separate this podcast from from both you and I are African-American. Mm-hmm. And to a large degree, a lot of people who have podcasts, a health podcast, are not African-Americans. We don't have yeah. a lot. I believe there's one other gentleman, Sean Stevenson, who I had on the show. He had a, a good story to tell. But there's not a lot of African-Americans out there having these health podcasts. And one thing that I find very kind of disparaging is the fact that when we present something to our community, a lot of times it's rejected. Did you reject keto at first? And how did you come back to it to say, hey, you know, let me give this a try. This, this thing might be for me.
1: I I did. And not for those reasons, although I I love it that you brought this up, brother, because I feel exactly the way you do. And I know that if Mm -hmm. you heard my podcast, you know how I feel about that subject, because in the black community, we will reject anything. It seems at times. Well, I I don't want to be that harsh about it. I'll say that we have it seems like that if it's not coming from a black source, we sort of rejected, it. And now that wasn't my reasoning for it, but now I've worked with people mm-hmm. who reject keto for that reason. And I'm able to talk to them and I have to break those barriers down before I can start helping them. But that wasn't really my initial reason. My initial reason was that I just didn't like people telling me what to do. And I didn't like people trying to, I, I thought I could do it on my own. And as I went down the, my own personal journey with my faith, which is so important to me, that was one of the barriers I felt like God was breaking down with me. Was that I didn't put you here to do everything uh, on your own. You can't save yourself on your own. So why do you think you you're going to work at yourself on your own? And that's how and why I believe that my wife came into my life and eventually how I got into keto was through that. But one of my missions is to bring keto. Even though even though I've been out of the hood for a long time, I'm still in the hood. And one of my missions is to bring this knowledge to the inner city. And it starts with my kids that I work with. I work with uh kids, ninety something percent of them are like kids like me. They grew up without a father. And they're growing up without a father. I'm the only father some of them have. You know, uh, actually one of those young men that was in my program since he was ten years old, I've been like his father. He's getting ready to go on our cruise with us still. He's a grown man now. But he's still included in my family. And so now I'm working hard to bring that into our neighborhoods because it seems like we're always the last ones to get a hold of something health-wise
0: yeah yeah let me let me (laughs) i I have the jumping there because that's exactly what i was going to mention it's like we are late to follow the trend even with i believe a couple of years ago paleo you know got hot and then now keto seems to be you know a hot topic but we still are the last to follow trends why do you think that is
1: I think culturally and Jimmy Moore and I talked about this and, you know, and and I got to give him credit because Mm -hmm. he took a lot of flack for for when he addressed the subject. And and he said that, you know, we're not doing enough as the keto community to be as um, to bring this issue up, because, you know, a lot of times white people get scared when. Uh, when a black person will speak out about this or speak about about that, because they're they're scared they're gonna be called a racist, right? And 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 rightfully so for for whatever reason sometimes. But when he would bring it up, a lot of people in the keto community, through ignorance, were saying, "Well, this is not about race; it's about food and this and all that." But we were quick to say, "Hey, look, I understand what you're saying, but let's get out of this little keto world, this keto bake world we live in, because you and I are both in that world. We know all about these things." But we have to realize that there is a racial component to this deal. And, you know, a lot of black people will look and say, hear the word keto. And they think it's a white thing, mm-hmm. you know, and and anything that's not of our black culture. We don't accept it into our culture when it's, you know, and 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 that's sort of how and why I sort of do what I do now is because it's in order to to get keto to be a norm in our community which is just about food, we first gotta break through that barrier. Yeah, and you know Yeah, a so there's a lot of barriers that we have to
0: break through. Yeah. One one of the things too, I think, uh that that hinders us from actually following trends and getting getting on things is just economics. You mentioned that Yeah. You yeah. you mentioned that you 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 work in the hood and you're trying to help kids and whatnot. And a lot of times I've seen where people can't afford the food. And I myself, I, I grew up on food stamps. I grew up with a single mom. I grew up just like you without a father. Yes, so sir. Yes, sir. I had free lunch. I had, you know, food stamp. And it wasn't until I got out of college that I realized, that, hey, you know what? Let me start spending a little bit more money on food. And I think three, four years ago is the first time I ever bought like a grass-fed steak, which is, yeah. <laughs> you know, but do you think it's because of economics Or a combination of economics and just, again, those barriers that we haven't broken through to be able to get it in front of African-Americans and say, hey, this is something that's better for you for your health. And this is something that you start you should do. And and keto is not that hard. I don't do keto myself, but I don't think keto is a hard diet. I've looked at some of the things and I've had a lot of guests on, but it doesn't seem like it's like a very hard diet to do.
1: Yeah. And and and. I think that it is, like you said, it's a couple of things. Culturally, man, we have our foods. If your mama can't cook this or your wife can't cook that, (laughs) and it's like that, if we don't eat those, i give you a good example for where I'm from. And, you know, black people around wherever you're at, each one have their, you know, each area has their own little niche for what the mama's supposed to cook or the wife's supposed to cook. And, like, where we're from is sweet potato pie. You know mm-hmm. yep. if you don't eat if you don't eat sweet potato pie and you don't eat dressing uh you know something wrong with you you ain't black you mm-hmm. know and and it's that mentality sometimes though because it's like we think we're supposed to eat certain foods because we're black and 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 um and really a lot of that comes from you know we can go down a rabbit hole of you know back to the slave days and all this and all that the foods we were introduced because as black people originally we didn't eat what we eat today we didn't have a grass a grain-based diet back in Africa, we had a meat-based, meat and fat-based diet. Actually, our ancestors ate more. Depending on what part of Africa you were, in, they actually ate more the the fats and the organs more than 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 they did the muscle meat. You know, if you want to get real deep into it, right. uh, and I'm talking about my history of, of of Africa and everything, but I think that it's culturally, and I think that. We think, and and a lot of people, actually, I talked to John Lemansky, Dr. John Lemansky, who I I know you're you're probably aware of. I actually sort of talked to him through email and behind the scenes. And a lot of times we think we have to eat grass-fed this and grass-fed that for keto or even paleo because that's what it's sort of taught. And when we hear that kind of stuff, you know, man, in the hood, we start hearing all these things that we hear on these commercials and all that. We start thinking, oh, well, that's a white thing. We don't even think that we can go and afford that kind of stuff. When in reality, if we can afford some of the things that we buy, the shoes and the thing, what's more important than your health? Mm-hmm. We we got to start putting a premium and an importance on our health over clothes and all those other things. Don't get me wrong, man. It's cool to be dressed nice and everything, but but some of the money that we spend because even my kids in 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 Urban Rangers, man. I have to constantly tell them because they know I go on cruises and I do some other things. I tell them, I say, how do you think I get there? I said, I don't spend a whole bunch of money on my shoes and clothes. I I buy a house. I bought a house. I wasn't like a rich guy, but I bought a house. Mm -hmm. You know, I said, we've got to start putting the focus on it. And that's not trying to knock my hood or nothing like that. It's just, man, I see us spending so much money, even in the projects. I go over to my kids' houses and they got all these TVs and all of these games and all this other stuff. But there's, their mom and all them are sitting over there with one lady, man, sitting over there. She's got her leg cut off from diabetes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ma'am, you could just, you know, well, I can't afford to do better and all this stuff. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. Yes, you can. I said, As a matter of fact, if you if you would stop eating what you're eating now, the bag of chips, and start and, and, and eat eat a little bit of bacon and eggs, I said, you're really going to help your conditioning, and you won't even have to pay as much in your medical bills because you won't be going to the doctors. And that's that the knowledge that I'm kicking now. It's starting to take off, but it, the culture of barriers is still there, man, and and it really hurts. You. It yeah, really that's hurt a,
0: you. it's priority, and and one thing that I've noticed too. I'm from, I grew up in South Carolina, so I'm Southern as well.
1: Yeah, and yeah.
0: The, the the thing that I notice about Southern African American people, Southern Black people. Is one of the things I pulled myself away from when I changed my diet a couple of years ago was just the starches. Like I know, for for me personally, we used to have rice with everything. We would have rice. Yeah, we yes. would have macaroni <laughs> and cheese. This was Sunday yeah. dinner: macaroni <laughs> and cheese, sweet tea, all yeah. of this stuff. And I remember when I started pulling myself away from a lot of that, I got the comments: "Oh, what's wrong with you now? You you you're yeah. different now, and you, yeah. but you don't know." White
1: around you, the white people?
0: Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't get what, um and then I'm like, and then they, they see me now and they're like, hey, you look so good. You you know, you look like you're taking care of yourself. And I was like, you can do exactly what what I do.
1: Yes, but man. But I yeah. think
0: our diets for, I know for Southern black people, the diet seems to be heavy in starch. And I kind of pulled myself away from all of that, that heavy starch diet.
1: Yeah, it's because a lot of it has to do with history, especially here if you're in the in America and you take it all, like I said, take it back to the slave trade and all that, where when we were brought over here, we were forced basically to learn how to eat the foods that we eat now. Mm-hmm. And it became a part of our staple diets, but it, it was never good for our genetics. Our genetics, we're, we're not used to all these starches. And then people say, well, they this and that in Africa and had starches in it. I said, "Yeah, man, but that was a different type. Like if you let's just say corn, for example, or even plant uh, bananas. We ate what we ate in Africa was more like the plantains. And if you ever ate a plantain, you know they're totally different mm-hmm. from a banana. But they were like, well, because they don't understand that these fruits have been bred to be super sweet now. And mm-hmm. our our fruits that we ate most of the time in Africa were more bitter, like you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 so." Now I can eat a plantain and it tastes sweet because I haven't been eating sugar for so long. And I was remarking to my wife the other day because I make these peanut butter bars and I can eat, when I take a, a lick of the peanut butter now because I use just crushed peanuts. And actually it tastes almost like the peanut butter that I used to get, that the Peter pan that used to have sugar in it because I don't have sugar all the time. So you know, it's just, I think that a lot of it has to do with history. I think that our bodies have never been able to recover from being forced to have that grain-based diet. And, 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 um, and I think a lot of that has to do with it. Our genealogy, our uh, DNA just does not accept what the Caucasian-based DNA does. You know, and, and, and that's just the way from my research and the things that I'm learning, sort of what I've learned. That's why I think the predominance for diabetes in America is, highest among African Americans and people of color. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think that um just and that reason alone what I just talked about you and I were just talking about is a high starch diet. People have star I have at least at, at right now I have two people in my family that do insulin on the regular and then mm-hmm. I have a cousin who is he's in denial because, yeah. <laughs> because he he's having issues and his blood sugar got really high. And he'll come to me and he'll ask me for advice. But it's like, I think people are more like, like you were, you were like, Hey, you know what? I don't want to be forcing anything. They want to feel like they come into it on their own. And therefore Mm -hmm. when I, and you probably were like this as well, Ron, when you were, when you learn something new, you want to share it with everybody. Yeah, yeah, and, and I was I was that guy. I was like, "Hey, I got to go share it with everybody." And then I realized that people I was just pushing people away. Now people ask yeah. me for advice. I'm more than more than adamant about giving advice. But if they don't come to me and ask me for it, I don't offer it because I yeah. know that it, it has the potential to push people away.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, brother, and here's the thing with that: it's so funny. Everything always goes back to my faith. When I share my faith. Now, if you come to my page and all that, if you come to my page, it's my page. You're gonna, of course, see my faith. All right. But when I'm out and about, the the way I started, the way I, I share my faith with people is, I just simply live my life out before people, and they 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 hopefully they will look at me and say, man, there's something different about that dude, and let me get to know him. Why is it he's that way? And eventually, when I talk to you, you're gonna eventually hear about my faith because it's it's, it's paramount to my my life. Well, the same thing. Is there, now we're speaking keto here because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't go to work talking about keto. I didn't go to work telling people about this and that. You know what people did was well, they looked at me, going from a size 6x down to where I'm at now, or 2x. They were like, "What did you do? What's happening? You're wasting away. You're you're this that man. You look so healthy now." And then it gave me the avenue to talk to them about what I was doing, and I really didn't even introduce it a lot of times as keto. I just said man i just removed the sugar and crap from my diet and i said this is what i eat on a daily basis." and then when i started sharing the types of food that i was eating with them they were like you're eating that and you're losing weight and i'm like yeah and so they would ask me and i said okay man it's keto <laughs> you know and uh and i didn't even stick totally to keto sometimes i would say paleo uh because a lot of the paleo is paleo is just like a step above keto as far as like you know some of the foods that you don't eat on keto, you, you eat on paleo, and people will get healthy on paleo also, mm-hmm. you know. But I just told him, I said, man, I just told him exactly what we're talking about now, but I modeled the behavior out, and I would bring food to work. So this one guy, Jason, who I had actually met like a year and a half before, he worked down in the basement. And I work in a four-star general command, AM, uh, uh, AMC headquarters for a company controlled force. I'm a supervisor, a shift supervisor for our security team. And so uh, all these people had seen me losing all this weight. And Jason came down one day and said, man, what are you doing? So I told him and I sort of got him started with keto. And then he started losing all this weight. So then it was just exponential. People just, he would bring people down to by the desk and say, hey, this is the keto guy. You know, and I started became, I forgot what they called me in the building. The the king of keto or something, something silly. And I would just laugh about it because to me, I didn't care about that. But it was just funny. And and it was mostly, mostly black people he was bringing by, you know, and it wasn't. He brought some, some white people, too. But he's like me. He really wants to really help his community out because it's killing us, this sugar and this, these cards are killing us. You know, it's, it's just decimating. It's decimating us uh, worse than a lot of the crack epidemics and all these other things that go on. It's just that it's the silent thing because nobody talks about it. Yeah, no one okay. talks about it, but that's how I got started, man. And that's all I do now. I just model the behavior out. And if you want to talk about it, you talk about it. I don't force myself on anybody. I have people all the time that would tell me they're diabetic. And I'm like, oh, okay.
0: Yeah, Getting back to your faith, it's it's something that I always wondered, and maybe they're doing this in Alabama, but I always thought that the church should offer a little bit more stuff by by way of dietary, like teaching, maybe outreaching and teaching people how to eat. Are you doing any of that, or do you advocate doing something like that?
1: Actually, it's so funny because uh, I don't know if you know Danny Vega on the Keto Evangelist uh, Athlete uh, Podcast. He and I I were discussing this. Uh Um, It's, I think it's almost even harder to get keto started in churches (laughs) than it is in the black community. I've actually encountered more resistance. And we have a multicultural church. Mm -hmm. And thank God, a lot of people in my church are actually doing keto. But it, (laughs) man, it took a hard stance because, you know, churches, it's just like the black community when it comes to food. They always have food. And so, yes, we are doing some of that. But like I said, it was organic. It was never something. There were actually people that were doing keto long before me at my church. But through my example, I that praise God by, by his, his glory that I feel like I'm a respected person. And people, when they saw me, I would just show up. And here's an advantage I had because the job I had, I was actually working Sundays and Wednesdays so I couldn't go to church for like a year and a half and then I got switched shifts I showed up at church and I had people walk past me they couldn't tell they didn't know it was me I had (laughs) lost so much weight and so that's a conversation starter. and then the buzz goes around because you know I have a couple other people that were doing it with me so all of a sudden a lot of people in our church are actually I started noticing my Facebook stuff going up and people were liking my stuff doing this. And then people would just come up and talk to me about it. And that's sort of how it happened. But to get back to your point, uh, yes, I see the same amount of, if not more, resistance in churches about, uh, because people just don't want to give up what comforts them with food. I'm blessed that having a bodybuilder mentality, even if keto was hard, I could do it. Because um, the problem was, I was trying to use that healthy diet the way the, the American diabetes says. Right. Uh, but it, it just wasn't, it wasn't doing it. Once I got on the keto and turned my body into a fat burning machine, now my body responds to it. And that's, that's what I try to tell people. People don't understand that even for people that are non diabetic, the, the industry, the diabetes association and all this, they term you diabetic only when you hit a certain number. But actually, when you start becoming pre-diabetic, you're actually diabetic already. It's just that when you go in sometimes and you get tested, if your numbers for that period of time are lower, um, you're not considered diabetic. You have to hit this number for a, two tests in a row. By then, man, you're doing damage to your organs and all this other stuff.
0: Yeah. So you, know? you, you were able to reverse your, your, your diabetes, yeah. right?
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. Matter of fact, I just went in and had my blood work done, and my, my VA doctor's just amazed. He can't believe it. Now, the stuff he had been having me do for 15 years got me sick as heck. And now, even he and his nurse are actually, they're not, they can't tell anybody about low carb and do all this and all that, but they personally take notes on my life, right. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a cool thing, but yeah, I I reversed it. it. Now, I can tell you this, I experiment a lot. I, I have block myself out of ketosis a couple times and and look up my carb intake just to see how my body will react and even though my body's healed a lot if i stick with a higher carb limit for like a week or so my blood sugars will start rising again so let me know that even though i'm healthier now and i've healed a lot that this is something that i'm gonna have to really do the rest of my life and for me it's very easy so it's not a hard thing to do anyway
0: yeah. I think sometimes what throws people off and I tend to go more low carb now myself. And that's just, just something that I do like where I would sit down and eat, let's say if I ate some French fries, I would sit down, and eat a whole thing of French fries. Now it like be like a handful or less than a yeah. handful yeah. if that, but I think some, I know one thing that really always confused me and threw me off was just being able to measure things. So yeah. For people out there who are listening to the podcast, give us an example of like carbs this is like a, a palm of your hand. How many carbs are you eating on on a daily basis? Because I think people need to know how easy it is that they don't have to sit there and measure out every little carb because I think that intimidates people sometimes.
1: Yeah. And, and you, that's such a great point. And that's one of the barriers uh, because our culture, we don't really, you know, our mom and them wouldn't even measure half the time. Yeah. My <laughs> <They, they, they, laughs> yeah, mom just, they, just they, throw it in a the pot. Mama, how much you put in there? Boy, I just threw threw a head full in there. Shut up and eat it, you know. And and so you know, you know what I'm talking about. And everybody, most of the people listening probably know what we're talking about. But yeah, so um, yeah, so no, I here's the thing: keto people have this perception that keto is so hard, um, and it's really not, because all you have to really do is try to keep your your some for some people keeping your your carbs as low as 50 grams uh a day will will be beneficial for me being severely uh uh, insulin resistant and diabetic i have to try to keep my carbs around the 20 anything less than 20 to 10 and how do i do that well i just don't eat a lot of um starchy foods and the foods that i do eat uh that have carbs in them mostly it's going to be vegetables and this incidental vegetable, green leafy vegetables. Mm-hmm. I don't really measure, man. I don't measure on a daily basis the majority of the time. I used to when I first started because I wanted to get to know the process. So when I brought someone in, but now I try to be more intuitive and I just tell people, Eat these foods. If you eat these foods, you're gonna be fine. And most of the time it's gonna be meat with uh with a, a fat, bacon fat or or butter or something like that. That stuff has no carbs in it. And then you want to moderate your protein. You don't want to go crazy on protein. I still eat a lot of protein, but my body seems to work well with that. But there's mm-hmm. some people that have to eat less to keep their insulin levels down. Um, and, and, you know, then I have I have vegetables. You know, I have green leafy vegetables. The majority. But, you know, I still – so I'm still able to eat collard greens and stuff like that. I just don't go super crazy on them. But I yeah. can eat a ton of those before I reach my carb limit.
0: Yeah, and, and you- you talked about being more intuitive and have you noticed that you, you you even said this uh, earlier about just noticing, like putting things in and really noticing. And I think for the large majority of people that are out there, most people are not really intuitive about their body. They yeah. don't know, you know, what works for their body. Do you find that to be, uh to be true when you're working with others? Yeah, at first.
1: And, uh and, and here's the thing with what we do, I always tell them to start out, here's the foods, eat these foods. Uh, these are the foods that are on the list that you need to sort of be careful of, like nuts and stuff like that, because they are higher in carbs. And and, and if you and then the main thing is to, to sort of teach us. At first, I don't even worry about macros and all that other stuff. I say, these are the foods, eat the foods. Because what happens is the first week or so, your body starts transitioning. It's like, hey, man, I'm, I'm out of sugar here. Uh, oh, okay, I got all this fat I can start burning. And eventually your body starts burning fat. And so then if if you have someone to sort of mentor you through those the first month or so, then you start realizing what foods sort of trigger your hunger hormones, what food starts triggering your desire for extra sugar and all those. So I think it's important at first, you're not going to be intuitive, but as you go along, you become intuitive. Like I can eat something now. My wife is actually given me some food before and i'm like hey did you guys look at the package or did you do this they're like no and i start eating it and all of a sudden i start feeling i can tell when i've gotten something that i shouldn't have and they'll go get the package out of the trash can and i'm like they're like oh i'm sorry i didn't see this on there that's how intuitive i've become but i wasn't that way when i first started it took a while Mm -hmm. you know and you can get there anyway it's like now i'm pretty sure with you gonna you, you, you can tell when you overeat something things that you probably could overeat in the past that you really can't and if nothing else, I'm intuitive because I can tell if I start putting body fat back on. Mm-hmm. then I can tell. So, and, yeah. and <laughs> you know, that, so that to me, that's the ultimate in, intuitiveness. <laughs> yeah. My,
0: my downfall is starches. If I, if I do overdo starches, it immediately slows me down. And I know I've had yeah. too, too many starches. So
1: I know Yeah, my body. you'll feel it. You'll feel yep. it. That, the problem is when we've been eating the way we've been eating and overeating starches, your body, it's like if someone was just yelling in your your ear starting off, um, at first you'd notice them yelling in the ear, but eventually your ear will deaden itself to that, to protect your, to your, your ear canal and your brain. You'll start going deaf to protect your brain. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when you eat starches, 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 especially for black folk who, whose bodies are not DNA wise able to deal with all that. Then you start, your body starts, stops listening to the, the signal that is dangerous. And that's what happens, you know, and, and, so, but when you reverse that and you cut the starches, your body starts responding again. But it's that, it's that first month or so when people do that, that they don't want to hear that. They don't wanna, you know they don't want to do that because they're, they're missing out on some of the stuff that um, they're missing out on some of the stuff they're used to. And a lot of it they don't understand that the reason that you love certain foods is because it turns immediately into sugar and your body is giving you a reward signal. Mm -hmm. and but you can also get that back our bodies naturally crave salt and we're always taught that we're not supposed to have salt but when you reverse and you clean all the carbs out of your body your body will actually start screaming for more salt but our minds will think that we're looking for sugar yeah do you think
0: you think in our community too um that and you mentioned this i don't think that you were the person that ever went towards to lose weight. Cause I noticed a lot of people will go on a crash diet to lose a couple yeah. of pounds.
1: Yeah.
0: But I think you were more geared towards, Hey, let me try this to get healthy, to reduce yeah, yeah. some of my markers. Do you think in our community, we do more of, Hey, let me do this to Cause it's the newest fad diet. I want to lose some weight real quick, more or less when we should be doing more things to get healthy.
1: Yeah, and that's my thing, man. I never shouldn't have coded with people because I tell people all the time, I didn't do this. Even though I was 350 pounds and miserable, um, I didn't do this to lose weight. I did this because I didn't want to start having to take insulin. And I, they had prescribed me insulin, and I was supposed to, have to start taking metformin. And, and I had a whole list of about eight pills I was supposed to start taking. And I didn't. I just didn't want to take – I was already taking blood pressure medicine. I just didn't want to start taking more pills. I've always hated pills, and so uh, that was the reason that I did it. But I don't even. But I don't always. For a person that wants to do it to lose weight, my thing is this: I don't care why people are doing it as long as they do it, you know. All right. All right. And, and because my thing then, as, if they start, then I can always tell them, okay. By the way, yeah, you're losing weight, but let me tell you what's happening in your body. Let me explain to you what's happening. You're you you're going to have ten, fifteen, twenty more years to play with your kids, and even see your grandkids and everything. See, I start making those points as we go along. I don't rush into that in the beginning. I sort of make those points as we go along. I start bringing the science to them. And if they don't want to know the science, then that's a, that's on them. Uh, but when you start going back to what was making you sick, you're going to see. I've had some people that actually have, or, uh, I don't call it falling off, they just chose to go back to their old lifestyle mm-hmm. and Eventually, they'll come running back to me because they go back to the doctor and everything that the doctor was telling them before. Okay, well, it's back now. It's almost like uh, getting sick and then going back and the doctor saying, well, you're sick again. Well, no, no stuff, Sherlock. You started doing what you were doing before. Uh And so that's sort of what I do. And but like I said, I don't force anybody to to do anything. You're either going to do it or you're not. But my whole thing was I did it for health reasons. Even at 310 pounds, when I had dropped 40 pounds, when I first went back to my doctor, my doctor could not believe my numbers. And that's a story in itself, man, because I was, I had only been on keto for a month and a half or so. I had only dropped like 20 pounds. I had had those tests. Thank God I had had those tests right before that. Um, and then a month and a half later, I went from over eight on my blood sugar numbers down to 6, 6.3. And I've been below 6.3 diet, just diet. One of the sweetest things I ever see on my chart is diabetes being controlled by diet alone. Yeah, that's cool. And my, doc- my doctor's like, wow.
0: But, but, <laughs> you, but you you, wouldn't realize that a lot of people do not think that they can do it with the diet alone. Yeah. This, this brings up a point for me too because I got caught up in this right after my playing days. I think I was... 28 29 somewhere going on 30 and I had gained a bunch of weight whereas when I was playing I could never gain weight I remember I used to ask my mom and say hey I need to put on some weight my mom was like you're gonna start putting on weight when you get over 25 and sure enough it happened but I but when I stopped playing and I gained I gained almost like 40 50 pounds and I had always been skinny but I got caught up in that belief and I think that's a belief we had in our community as you get older you're supposed to pick up a lot of weight And I don't know if that's necessarily just our community, but I think that we are ingrained in that whole thing of, hey, you know, you're getting older now. It's it's cool to pick up 20, 30 pounds, because I had to watch all my uncles do it. Your uncles and everybody around me just do it. My mom picked up weight as she got older, and I don't know if that's just a belief within our community
1: or what. As I as I as I go through this deal and and go through life and get older and everything, I come to find out that a lot of things that we think are so different between us and and other communities, really they're not. It's just that the terms are different, how we react to them are different. Uh, we have a certain way of doing things, a certain swag that we have in a black community when it comes to anything, and 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 um, and one of them is just that we think that as we get older, we're supposed to, you know get heavier but just the same in 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 the white community or the hispanic community asian community cuz i I've, bl- I've been blessed to be around the world and that same thought process is the same you know but uh, you know being a black man i just know what black people do you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and 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 it is we think that we're oh you're just supposed to get heavier when i'll be honest with you another part of my story is Like I said, everyone thinks because of the way I look and the way I'm built that I did a lot of my losing weight in the gym because when you see me, you think I'm still lifting. They don't realize that I've been so sick and had so many health issues that I haven't been able to lift for almost nine months now. So the majority of my weight loss has been done with no lifting at all, no exercise at all. The only exercise I would get would be walking. And I wouldn't walk like for hours or nothing like that. I just walked normally you know so it's it has nothing to do with exercise calories in calories out has nothing to do with your body's metabolism don't get me wrong it helps because there's a lot of benefits to exercise but to lose weight you don't necessarily have to do all of that you it just takes doing eating the right foods and not even the highest quality foods uh who is this gary becky i think it is and uh it's one other guy. They were actually talking about this subject. And uh Dr. Kim Barry is another one, uh, who actually is gonna be my doctor because I can't find a good keto doctor around here who understands my blood work and everything. Oh, I got I got I had Dr. Barry on like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. And actually I'm gonna he's actually gonna be my doctor. He's oh, about okay. an hour, a little over an hour and something from here. And he's going to, all I have to do is go see him and then he'll be my doctor. And I'm hoping to get with him. He's in Tennessee, right?
0: I believe. Yeah. He's in Tennessee about an
1: hour and a half away from me. Oh, wow. Um, So I'm actually going to go and I'm actually go. I had actually contacted his office and it's just at my schedule and doing all the things that I was going to actually, I was supposed to go up there one day, I had an appointment, but I had a podcast that day. So I didn't go. So, and then, uh, but anyway, yeah, um, he's actually going to be my doctor. And um, so. He actually was talking about this on the low carb cruise, which um, he was talking about how people make it so hard when really he said, can you eat eggs? Can you afford bacon? He said, it don't even have to be the highest quality bacon. He said, if you can afford this and a lot of the foods that we already eat in the black community. Yes. If we just tweak it. some, right. If we just tweak it, some learn that, hey, okay, I may have to learn to fix my pork chops a different way uh learn to fix, eat my fish a different way. See, m- m- my thing has always been this. Okay, I know that you don't want to change this and that, and that, but remember, do you want to live? Yeah. Do you want to be around for your dadgum kids and your family? You know, brother, I'm telling you, I literally think I would have been dead by the age of 51, 52, where I'm at right now, had I not changed. Because I was that down and that broken down. Now you can't even really tell that I was ever in that state. And it was funny because no one really knew I was in that state because I was home taking care of my wife who had breast cancer. So no one saw me. They didn't realize I was just as bad as she was. Is your is no. your wife on it? And how how is she? Is she recovering? She she she's uh, about. I would say about. Oh yeah, she's fine. She's healthy. Um, God did some amazing things through that. Um, but she she does keto. She does. I call it her own style of keto because she don't do it all the time. She, when she wants something sweet, she going to have something sweet. But I, I told her, I, I I respect that. I don't try to force it on you. I said, but my thing is, uh, don't go around telling everybody you're 100% keto. Because I don't want someone seeing you out of the restaurant, and they know me, and they say, oh, that's what they eat. No, no, that's what Tracy. <laughs> Tracy will have her stuff. Like, we're getting ready to go on a cruise. I will be probably 100% percent keto on the cruise uh with the exception of maybe this one coconut shrimp they have but all the ice cream and stuff i used to eat on there and all that i don't i have no desire for that stuff anymore yeah my crew. body yeah I, I don't even have any desire for that stuff
0: they, but, they, they give you oh, yeah. so much food on those cruises man yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but i've, I've done much.
1: my research and, and, and most of the stuff that i ate on there um i actually i think my body was telling me before because like i would get two or three days into a cruise and all of a sudden man i just quit eating the bread and stuff and that was long before keto you know and it's not that it's it doesn't taste good and i can go in there now and eat a piece or two here or there but i just choose not to because for me i want to be that walking living example to show people that man when you take things out of your life um and you don't do them all the time. It's like an alcoholic with alcohol. Once you get it out and you've been off of it for a while, as long as you don't reintroduce it and and you keep yourself in a certain state, you're gonna be fine, you yeah. know? But if you allow yourself to start eating this and then that with food, it, it'll actually come back. But I don't like the way I feel. And that's a biggest determinant for me because even now when I ac- accidentally get carbs from somewhere, my body goes into a, it's almost an allergic reaction now, you know?
0: yeah you know and your
1: body huh
0: i said you know your body so it's
1: yeah yeah but it, like i said the first 3 months i didn't it, it was just like once you become start becoming healthy again a lot of the signals um a lot of the signals that i missed and it's because i started educating myself i would start making sure that first it took me to look at a blood sugar number and then correlate how i felt so it, it, it's a practice thing, also, especially if you're a, a measurer like me. I I would, I would measure my blood sugar and stuff, and I would say, okay, this is how I felt on this day. This is how I felt on that day. And then when I I go, I went to this one place one time and got some ribs, and they put this. Uh, I I didn't go to my normal place who just gives me ribs without barbecue sauce. Right. I went to this one place and they gave me ribs. And I, and I, I'm like, look, man, I paid for these ribs. I ain't, <laughs> I ain't throwing these ribs away. Before, yeah. You know, when I yeah. got back to the office. But when I ate them, I, 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 first thing I did, I said, okay, well, I'm just going to run an experiment on myself. So I experimented. I took my blood sugars 30 minutes. Uh, what after I ate 30 minutes, uh, 60, 90. And sure sugar, my sugar values jumped up. Then I just saw how long I took it again later that day and again. I just wanted to see what having something that was a high carb food would do to me, high sugar food, right. and, and that's the kind of stuff that I do, you know. And, and uh, I'm, well, I'm sort of a nerd when it comes to stuff like. Yeah, that. yeah. Well, you
0: know, they have the barbecue sauce with the stevia in it, and stevia doesn't yeah, raise your blood yes, blood sugar. I, yeah,
1: I, I, I do, man. And the thing about it is, we just bought a smoker. My mother-in-law, who lives with us now, she lost her husband uh, earlier last year, earlier this year, and uh, she's living with us now, and she really got on board with keto for a little bit, too. She's quasi-keto like my wife, you know, um, but she bought us a smoker because she was like, man, if we could smoke a bunch of meat. And uh, so now I have that and now I've got to get uh, I've got to get some of the stevia barbecue sauce. But I'm just so I just love eating what I eat now. Mm-hmm. so i don't even worry about it you know but but i do want to try it if you say it is good brother i'm gonna take your word on it I'm yeah it i've
0: had it before i um yeah. i i've ordered it a couple of times and i just sometimes i'll get into this thing of just ordering stuff and then i'll take a break from it for a while and then i'll go back to mm-hmm. it but i've always been a, a user of stevia because every now and then i like a cup of coffee and i don't ever use sugar i just put yeah. you know yeah. the stevia in there but um I wanted to kind of roll on because I know I, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but there was something that really jilted something in me today because it was something I wanted to talk about. And I was just saying, like, what can I find out about Ron that, that, you know, that, to ask him more questions. But I went through your, your blog and I saw where you wrote about an episode of blackish and I watched blackish and, um, on that, you were talking about just one of the scenes where I think one of the characters had uh type 2, was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Oh,
1: yeah, bro. Man, you had to bring that up. That yeah, was,
0: and um, <laughs> one of the things I think with with our community as well, and I know, I think our community as African-American, we watch more TV than any yes. other ethnic group. And, and I yes, think sir. a lot of times that programs us because the more you see something, the more you... You have, it programs a belief in you, but talk about that whole scenario about, you know, what they were saying on, on blackish. And, and, and then one of the reasons why I want to bring this up, because I think we as African Americans and anybody else out there listening, I don't want to make this just a portal of a podcast where we just talk about African American issues, but anybody needs to pull their mindset away from, from television, because I think television does a lot of programming with us.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and if I remember correctly, man, that episode, basically, it was sort of making fun of what you and I do, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and the journeys that we're on. And basically, it was basically giving out the the, the standard line that we were the doctors are basically know-it-alls and, and, and all this these things. And I don't remember completely because uh, at the time it made me mad. And I just I'm the type of person when I get mad about something, I just write about it. But basically, it was just basically telling us to do what we've been doing all along, and it was making fun of anything that was an alternative. And that's not how I was raised as a black man. I I, I was raised to distrust, uh, certain things, you know. And it's almost like we were being told that just because, um, just because it's it doesn't sound black, and, and, and that it's not good. Basically, what we were saying earlier. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember it all. I just wrote, I wrote that a lot of times, a lot of things that you see on my, my thing, you have to realize I write it. And then a lot of times I never go back to it, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, it just happened to be on me at the time. But that, it really just upset me because it was almost like we were being told right then to just do what they're telling us to do. And when I say they, I'm not talking about white people. I'm talking about doctors. Right. And it's like, we're not supposed to think for ourselves when actually in reality, the doctor works for us. He's supposed to be a partner. He or she's supposed to be a partner in our health care and not just telling us what to do, being a dictator. And and then they were make, they were just making fun of, of uh, anything that's an alternative. And that insulin was the key. Taking this medication, you can eat whatever you want to eat. The very same things that you and I fight against, you know, and it's not necessarily that way. So. I mean, you may have to bring me back to memory on some of that because I just, like I said, I don't remember completely. I just remember I was mad at the time (laughs) and when I heard it.
0: Yeah, it was just, uh, I think it was just about one of the characters where they were saying that um, you should just do this for type two diabetes, go see the doctor and do and basically do everything they tell you to do when you were doing it, like eat, eat this type of diet and not really challenge the diet. And I don't think that. We do a lot of that in our community of really challenging doctors. Like I remember when I had high cholesterol, this was a number of years ago before the whole thing came about, about cholesterol, but I had been in the pharma industry and I knew what those drugs would do to people because I was on the inside. And I remember going to the doctor after I came out, and the doctor's like, well, your cholesterol is high. we might need to put you on Lipitor or this. And I was yeah. like, look, doc, I said, I'll eat oatmeal till it comes out my ears before, <laughs> right. yeah. before I go on Lipitor. And he's like, well, oh, why? because
1: you, you and I know and yeah. you know better than I know. But I went down that rabbit hole. And let me tell you something. When I went down that rabbit hole, I fume now because people will say they'll say on a post that I put up. Well, what about your cholesterol? And I'm like, man, shut up about cholesterol now. I don't want to hear nothing about the cholesterol mm-hmm. because number one, if you go back and you do your research, you understand that cholesterol is the this high cholesterol thing. Actually, you at a higher risk if your cholesterol is lower. You actually at a higher risk than you are if it's higher. What you need to worry about is your triglycerides, you know. And when you lower your triglycerides, like my triglycerides as a 275 pound man, I rock at about 58 continuously. Mm-hmm. They stay there. And, uh, I've been tested for a whole year now and my triglycerides are always low. My cholesterol, my HDL, my LDL, a little bit higher. But the research I've done with Ivor Cummins and, and Gary Fecky and some of these other people, you start understanding that, um, higher cholesterol is actually a marketing tool for, and I don't mean no disrespect to you, brother, because you know what I'm talking about, but it was basically to sell those drugs. Uh-huh. You know, it's, uh-huh. and you know better than I do that, you know, right. and, and because you have that a lot more insider information than I have. And don't get me wrong. There are some instances that those drugs may help some people. But the the basic determiner for all calls, mortality, meaning that if you take those drugs or you don't take those drugs, the heart attack rate doesn't change. <laughs> yeah, it it's it's ama- it's amazing to me that people <laughs>
0: people still go on those drugs. There's much information as I hear. But I always say that people have to come into
1: information
0: yeah. when they're ready for it, because I know that happened to me when I lost my mom. That's how I got into yeah. help. I just asked for the answers and those answers were provided for me. And I like you, I started going down the rabbit hole more and more and more and listening to mm-hmm. podcasts and reading books, reading different books, and I kind of broke my mentality free from that. And I think for not just our community but other communities i think there's a lot of things that are coming unveiled now and people are really not believing the things that they they believe before but i just wish like we were discussing on this podcast that i wish we would get more of the trend a little bit quicker than later you know what i mean yeah
1: yeah because here's the thing brother if it, if it wasn't so serious i'd probably be like uh, okay whatever you know but man people are dying you know, I, I I go to these football games. I'm a youth leader, so I go to football games. And it's amazing to me that in the past when I would go to these games, I never noticed people. But now I notice people. And the ones I noticed the most, the epidemic of how fat our kids are now. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, man, the, the fat kids really stood out because it wasn't that many kids that were that fat. Mm-hmm. Now... Half of the kids are fat, man. And it's because, but you watch them when they're going around. They can't go more than five minutes without eating. We used to go out and play all day without eating. You know, we, we was out and you, mama had to call and threaten to whoop, whoop us to come home. And we'd be out playing football all day and we didn't eat. We didn't die. Yeah. You know, but we've been taught now we have a snacking mentality. We've got to eat something all day. Oh, your blood sugar's getting low. And then I, I'll tell people, good, let it get low. Let it get low you know, because when, when, when you let it get lower, your body will start kicking in and start burning the stored energy, the fat. You know, you know I mean, it's some ad, ad, adaptation in that. But the problem is we think we can't ever go hungry or be a little hungry. We have to feed ourselves. And I did. I was a bodybuilder, man. I would eat eight times a day. I'd even wake up in the middle of the night when I was in a growth period. I would wake up in the middle of the night, two o'clock in the night, eat something and go back to bed. Wow. That's how dedicated I was as a bodybuilder, mm-hmm. you know. And it worked for me because the same principle applies. Insulin stayed high, so my body grew. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm going down a rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, no, no
0: problem. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm, I'm gonna get you off here in in a little bit. Uh, Yeah, but talking about that about kids, I remember for us for a special day, my grandmother. When she, when she was living, we would go to McDonald's maybe once a month, if that. And that was yeah, a special yeah. a special time to yeah. get a p- pile of everybody in the car, and she would go and buy everybody McDonald's. Now, you see kids who are eating McDonald's and adults who are eating McDonald's pretty much uh pretty much every day. The last thing I wanted to ask you about is about your mentality and how how it's changed because you can tell a lot about people from where their mentality was. I remember I used to try to be on that bodybuilding diet, and I would give in to eating the six times a day. How yeah. many, how many times are you eating? I would be taking around all of these Tupperware things with me to work and eating yep. at different times. How many times are you actually eating a day
1: now? Actually, now, um, most times I eat once a day. I eat a pretty big meal, um, sometimes twice a day uh when i start working out again it'll probably be twice a day but most of the time man i don't really get hungry till around 2 or 3 and 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 i love it how people will say oh that's bad you have to eat who says mm-hmm. your body is, is is determined it will tell you when you're hungry and 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 that's the thing we've gotten so because just like we were talking about with the blackish thing we've gotten so conditioned to be told that we must eat breakfast. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Blah, 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 blah. No, the meal you eat is the most important meal of the day. It doesn't have to be breakfast. Breakfast breakfast just stands for break the fast. Right. And we've been so conditioned that we've got to eat these certain foods. Like I put food, I may have steak for breakfast, you know, and I may have a salad for breakfast. I don't tie myself down. And that's the thing. People don't realize they've been so conditioned to believe Whatever it is. And a lot of it has to do with the food industry uh, and and the food industry is the one that sort of brought up this three meals a day thing. Because back in the day, I remember my folks would eat, eat something in the morning before they went out and worked in the fields and stuff. And, and even me, I, I hauled hay and did all this other stuff back when I would go out to the country, what well, we call it the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would stay with my work during the summer. I worked a lot in fields and stuff like that. But there was times we didn't eat all day. And, or we may have a little uh, lunch or something, but we didn't sit there and snack all day because we were working. And that was the healthiest time of my life. I had a six-pack walking around then. So, you know, how are you going to tell me that that this other way is healthier? when When I started eating this other way, eating all these snacks and all this stuff all day, I got fat.
0: Yeah, I just saw, artic- <laughs> I just saw an article the other day about breakfast is the important meal of the day. And I only eat twice a day. And I've been doing that yeah. for a number of years because it just works better for me. When I noticed yeah. that I would eat breakfast in the morning, I would just have this thing that I, if I ate breakfast in the morning, it trickles something within me and I feel like I have to eat all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Where,
0: whereas if I do twice a day, I usually get hungry around 12, one o'clock.
1: Yep. And then yep. I'll
0: eat later on at night and then I'll cut my carbs back at night as well because my body really mm-hmm. doesn't need it
1: yeah that's
0: that works for me and i tell people do what works for you there you go yeah just do what i'm a
1: keto i'm a keto guy don't get me wrong i talk keto because of what it's done for me and i think it is one of the best things for diabetics that's my whole mission and my issue it's because so many black people and people in general um it are suffering from this disease Man. and it's an epidemic that's been caused by our food guidelines. That's another rabbit hole. Uh, I ain't going to even go into that and look up Nina Teichol's find out how the guidelines got started and they're actually looking at changing them now. Uh, thank God I work for the government. I know how the government operates and so I send letters out and I talk about this. I'm doing some stuff behind the scenes politically to try to get some of these things changed and um, and and it, it, people just don't realize how much food policy has hurt us, because when they switch our dietary, the way we eat, to grain-based, and it was all done by the food industry. And you being a big farmer, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, they yeah. have a lot of money to spend on advertising, and they don't realize when they're seeing someone saying, eat healthy, and they eat healthy grains on TV, or eat healthy this and that, this packed full of sugar it stimulates the pleasure centers and we just automatically think it's just advertisement. No, they know what they're doing. And that's what happened. They paid a lot of money. The food industry, big sugar, big grain, and the pharmaceutical industry paid a lot of money to, and they still pay a lot of money. Why, what do people think lobbyists do? Mm -hmm. They pay to get these guidelines and stuff. And actually a lot of our educational stuff in these universities and stuff they actually accept a whole lot of money to get the curriculum that's backed by big food, big pharma and all these other things. So what our doctors are actually being taught is actually keeping us sick. Yeah. It's a, it's a <laughs> yeah, it's a
0: lot of doctors that are coming forward now. I know you you're with uh Dr. Yeah. Barry and I'm gonna yeah. have I'm actually working on this podcast to put up next. And uh, but there's a lot of doctors that are coming forward and realizing that, you know, what they've been taught, they kinda of have to supplement the education but uh, a lot of things are changing man a lot of people are becoming more conscious yeah. and, and like you and I are discussing here tonight i just want to see more of of our community kind of catch on yeah. to the trend and realize that we don't have to be sick you know mm-hmm. all the time or be on insulin and um have cancer my my i lost my mom to cancer but i'll have um uh i forget her name she's my next guest on in a couple of weeks Uh she she has keto for cancer so she'll be yep. on. Um, I, I can't remember her name right now, but I'll probably remember. Bosworth. What. No, no, not Bosworth. Oh, okay. Uh, Miriam. Okay. I her name is her last name is with a K. Miriam. Oh, okay. K okay. something. But I'm gonna have on a couple of weeks to talk about keto for cancer. But yeah. man, let me let me get you off here because we could probably talk another
1: well, hour. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, and I tell you, man. Let me. Can I say something to you, man? Before we get off, brother. I, yeah, I, I sure. Thank you because it's so funny that we're talking about this now. And I and I talked to Jimmy Moore beforehand, but I didn't even know you existed. And that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a problem. That's a problem, man. I should know you. But I didn't know because the very fact that we said the keto and that's what Jimmy and I talked about. And he he admitted that's what I love about him. He admitted there was a problem. Mm -hmm. And it's like the keto community doesn't do that outreach because they're scared. Well,
0: when I I saw Jimmy's podcast and he had put you up there and I saw it, I put on his page, I said, hey, man, I'm glad you are addressing this because I was wanting to find someone who would come on with me and address this. Because usually when you have a podcast, if I sit up here, it's just like I'm shouting to people downhill and when someone else sees it like I see it and I can get you on and discuss it. But when he had you on, that's the reason why I got in contact with you because he had you on. And I said, man, Jimmy, this is great that you are addressing this because yeah. I think it needs to be addressed, in, in you know, within yes, our sir. community.
1: Yep. 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 And anyway, man, I just had to say that to you, man, thank you for what you do. And, and, and like I said, it's an honor, man. And, and uh, I just really, really appreciate that. And and now I know I have an outlet that's going to address that part of me. I feel like that's, that's sometime being overlooked and it's going to give me a, a, because see, here's the thing. I know that I can point to you and say, it's, it's easier for people to maybe get started listening to the health things with you in our community. And it's just reality, man, and people don't want to live it. But, and I, I talked about it with Jimmy. The thing is I can say, okay, here's this brother that's talking about health issues. That's good. You know, and for, you got to admit, man, there's just some black folks just going to listen to black folk. You know? Yeah. I mean, that, that's true. And, <laughs> that's but true. The,
0: the, the, the thing is, is that <laughs> most of my listeners are probably not going to be African <laughs> American, which I don't have a problem with. Like I yeah. say, I want more people to be in and like and say, Hey, I'm not an anomaly here. You're yeah, not an yeah. anomaly. You can do <laughs> what Darren and Ron are doing that's
1: and you it. can be healthy. And, and, and for, the, for the, your, your Caucasian and, and other listeners, understand this. I know you're thinking that this has been like a Black-based thing. You need to understand that you're going to be maybe talking to some African-Americans, and, and, it, and it gives you ammunition to know and understand us better. Mm-hmm. In our culture, you need to hear these things. You need to understand that we are different. People sugarcoat that. We are different. The way we react to things are different. So there's nothing wrong with getting to understand your neighbor and understanding how their house operates so that you can come into their house and, 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 and address issues properly. Right. You know? And, yeah. and so- our first
0: thing in our community is not to trust somebody of a different yeah, <laughs> a different yeah. Race. And, and
1: if you and if you don't know that you think you can come in come into our community and 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 think that you, whatever you're telling us we're we'll nod our head and just keep going
0: right
1: and and you need to understand that because you need to understand okay it's gonna take me a while uh, lastly one of the coolest things that ever happened at my church when we started the inner city ministry that I do now. I'll never forget Pastor Greg Nelson. Uh, they had these little boys from the hood in there, and they were like, uh, Ron, uh, I had just got saved and was starting ministry and all that stuff, and he said, man, we got these kids in here, and they're from the hood. He said, I, I'm going to be honest with you, man, and, and I don't know how to relate to them. He said, we need someone like you to come in here and talk to them, because as soon as I walked in, those those young brothers stood up and acted right. hmm and that's how our inner city ministry started, because he wasn't afraid to say he didn't know. And that's been the trend with our pastor. Uh, that they, they realized that we have to have within our church, it's all combined, but we have to address every need in every area in the church. And that's what we're going to have to do with keto, man. And keto and health, we're going to have to realize that cultures are different and I believe doing what we're doing right now is a big step in that direction brother. So don't so all you white folks that's listening and whoever else don't feel like we've neglected you realize that we're actually, you can take what we're talking about back to and start looking at things that's happening in your communities Mm -hmm. the same way, you know? So
0: yeah, I, (laughs) I, I applaud you for coming on and being able to talk about this because I've been looking for someone to come on and talk about these issues for You know, for a long time, not just me, because to me, I'm standing up on a, on a hill and I'm looking, you know, I don't, I won't look down on people, but I was like to say, Hey, I would want to see more people in our community, even the Hispanic community be more healthy because believe it or not, we're the ones that are going to the doctors and getting, you you know, getting on the pills and getting on, Mm -hmm. on the things. And it affects our communities a lot more because the Caucasian community is more into, Hey, let me exercise yeah. or what? You can yeah. you can go to a gym and you can see the disparity in there. Yeah, among, yeah, man, I among. never
1: thought about that. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you are did. right though.
0: Yeah, but I look around. The only place that I ever lived where I saw an abundance of African American people was Atlanta. When I lived yeah. there, I would saw I would see a lot yeah. of people in the gyms working out there. But being here in Florida, I don't see a ton of us. Mm-hmm. So, well, in Atlanta,
1: you know, Atlanta, I'm, I'm poking fun now. Atlanta, you got a lot of them bougie blacks over there. So, you know. <laughs> and, I, and, and I say that, I say that lovingly for all yeah. you people to know. I say that lovingly because I I am close to Atlanta and I have a lot of friends in Atlanta and I mess with them all the time. I tell them they're bougie over there, yeah. you know. So I mess with them all the time. <laughs> they're cool people, though. But Ron,
0: <laughs> man, hey, keep in touch, man. Yeah, let me know what you're doing, and anytime yeah. you want to come back, I'd love to have you back.
1: Okay, brother, and then like I said, if you ever feel like you need to do, do something, uh, or if you ever just need me for anything, brother, just call man. I I I do this, like I said, I do this, I don't make any money off of it, I do it for free. And I just love it that I feel like I have someone else out there. I'm sometimes I feel like I'm the only one that's shouting. And I know I'm not, but No, you're not. I mean I know I'm not, but it just feels like that sometimes. Yeah. And what? Then, you know.
0: What, real quick, what's your website? Because I know I was I was uh, checking it out today. If I'm most thinking.
1: active on Instagram, and it's um, run Big Black Garrett. But I, I have been doing YouTube videos. And, and just to postulate to people, my YouTube is a mixture of keto and faith. So I don't want someone coming on there. But I, I mean, I have friends of all different faiths. They know me as a Christian. I respect their Muslim and, and, and Jewish and all that. But mm-hmm. I just want to postulate from the beginning that I'm a faith-filled Man of God, and so you're gonna see that on there. And you, if you don't, know, if that's not your deal, then just look past it and go to the keto stuff or whatever. I don't get offended by that, you yeah. know. But it's, everything that I do basically is Ron Big Black Garrett, and if you if you just type a hashtag to that, you'll find me. Right,
0: Ron. Thank you for being on, man. I really appreciate it.
1: All right, thank you, brother. God bless you. and keep doing what you're doing, man.
0: Thanks.